0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to Lift and Coast. Today we have a very special episode for you. We love fan engagement, so we want to bring on a loyal listener, Oliver, but we're going to call him Ollie. What's up, man? How you doing, Ollie?
1: Yeah, good to be here, guys. Like uh yeah, always appreciate the show. Think it's really funny. You guys are really um I guess original. I don't You know what I mean? Like you guys have real distinct personalities and I appreciate that. Very dry sense of humor, which as a Brit, I, uh, I really tend to appreciate. I love it.
2: I, I got a, I got a few questions for you, Ali, right off the bat. Um, one, where did your love from F for that? Where did your love for F1 originate?
1: This is so random, but my stepmom is half French and her dad was a big F1 guy. So by proxy, she was a big F1 woman and by proxy, I was sort of like, Oh, I was going to curse, but uh, I just really sort of, you know, was uh, drawn to the the sport in a way that it wasn't like other sports. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Indy, not for me. Um, motocross, not for me. But just the pure speed and the sort of engineering side for me were the two pieces that came together. And when I was young, it was like, you know, and Senna, what can I say? Like, yes, this guy it's it's just next level you know when um i think it, it flies under the radar And i guess this is kind of where drive to survive comes in because if you love f1 as the sport right like you're nerding out on lap times like you're you're looking at pay you're looking at all these different factors you're not just going i'm wearing a verstappen shirt i've roof of a which again fine but for me <laughs> like really drilling into the, the details and looking at development, right? Like I'm a nerd. I play F1 2022, well, at 2021, but in July we'll get to play 2022. And so I just sort of, the, the love for it evolved. And then I think when Hamilton came into the sport, it was a real shift for me. I think, um, A, getting to see someone who looks like you. I have no aspiration of driving a Formula One car. I don't even think I would fit in a Formula One car. That's a <laughs> That to the side, it was like seeing this black guy come into this sport where if you don't have money, you're at a disadvantage. If you don't have backing, which he fortunately did, you're at a disadvantage. But watching him come in and just say "F you guys, I'm doing this thing," and then he did it right like that to me. uh, It's it's hugely motivational. Like I know it's silly to say, but like I can watch Hamilton and have him be a role model, something aspirational to look at the way he carries himself and take that into my day-to-day life, even though I don't drive a very fast car. I agree with that. And
2: so, obviously, I'm a massive Lewis fan. And we're going to dive into Lewis, obviously, I got, and get I into a couple the origin first. stories. I
0: got a couple questions first.
2: Two, A, yeah. this is an explicit podcast, so feel free to swear. Give
0: you that first. Oh, okay, okay, this great. is explicit. You've heard our podcast and, and our feelings about Drive to Survive. Are you more on my fence where you don't like the nonsense narratives that they kind of pits around are you like kurt where you just like to get the behind the scenes
1: i hate the fake narrative and i will tell you why i hate the fake narrative is because i think it has bled into the social element of the sport right because back in the day when proust and senna were on their bullshit like there wasn't people on twitter being like oh my god i hope senna dies because he's a cunt that wasn't a fit. Th- wow! Well, I really just took it zero to six. Oh, Yo, you uh, went uh, real the quick. Cursing. I like it. You see, you don't give me a you know, give me an inch. Um, like that piece of it really is a turnoff because it's it should be interesting enough. And you guys kind of touched on this from time to time, which is that these drivers are really dynamic people. They're really interesting people when you see what they do off the grid. Like, why can't we just focus on those bits and really the last season, for example, was dramatic enough like you didn't mm-hmm. need to create more drama like I think the most ridiculous one was when they were saying that George was gonna get a seat and him and Toto went up to like a roof or some shit and they were having a completely different, different conversation discussion, mm-hmm. but they used that to be like and here he's getting a seat or like all of these like random beefs like it just yeah it's it's it, it's a turn off for me primarily because I think it feeds this fan frenzy of people who don't understand a sport and who sort of like want good guys and bad guys. Like I could, you know, if Lewis never wins another championship, God forbid, um, that's fine. Right. There will be other drivers. There are more talented drivers who are developing George Russell being one of them. That's fine. The sport is moving in the right direction. Uh, Asterix FIA got to get that shit together. But like, (laughs) you know, like I think, the the issue with Drive to Survive, and this is partially Liberty Media as well, is kind of turning F1 into a circus. And look, right, like it's great, we're trying to broaden the sport up, we're trying to get more fans in. That has been accomplished. Now, the issue is, and you'll see this online all the time, which is like really, really hardcore OG fans, and then this new wave of like, I'm just wearing this flag, I love this show. Like these two things can exist. But what's becoming more and more difficult is when you've got a TV show that is basically geared to create drama because that's the only thing that sort of gives people a pull. Like I said, like if you don't get the engineering, if you don't know these, uh, you know, Martin Brundle, like if you don't get all of these other elements to F1, you're not really enjoying the actual sport. You're sort of, you know, this isn't the Miami Dolphin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. This isn't the Miami Dolphins, like... uh, and it's crazy because those guys behind drive to survive, they're taking it to other sporting franchises. So I think they're doing the PGA, which is so random. Like, I don't know how you make drama out of golf, but there you go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I th- I think they feel that's like just, they found the formula.
2: That's the American influence, right? And for the longest time, this has been a European sport. It's been a, a global sport and it's always, you know, America never took it seriously. And now with the, with the acquisition and Liberty Media playing a role, we're seeing that. And we all know that Americans love, they love drama, they love entertainment, they love the circus. So we understand it from that aspect. Obviously, the purists in the sport don't. And is there a world where they can coexist? I'm sure. But for sure, I think that's where we're seeing a lot of these, yeah, difference of opinions. Um, people, people that love F1 are not necessarily a fan of it. But I did want to ask this because we haven't had it yet. How did you come across Lifting Coast? You are in Euro. We just talked about the dynamic. We're Canadians. Um, There's a a huge influx of people watching and consuming the sport in North America. So how did someone in London or or the UK find Lifting Coast?
1: Yeah, so um, I use Overcast, which is, uh, so I don't use Spotify. Well, typically I don't stream podcasts via Spotify. I have a different app. And from time to time, it will serve up recommendations like, oh, if you listen to this, you might, you know, listen to this kind of thing. Or if you're searching like sometimes, you know, I think I was looking for Mr. Apex in my thing and I was typing F1. But then like yours came up like it was. So I was like, okay, well, have a listen. And then you guys have a really good I don't know how to explain it. You know, like when they're like you've got a good sidekick and a good like you guys have a good uh, a good vibe and you genuinely have good discussions. Which aren't completely centered around. This is my favorite driver, therefore, screw you. We shouldn't talk about anything else. Which some some podcasts do become, or, or it just becomes a bit of a shouting match. Which for me, like, I forget these guys. I think I don't know. I don't even want to put them on blast. But like, <laughs> the whole they're Americans, and the whole thing is them shouting, and they've done nothing to fix the audio. So imagine going to work. You're going to your commute. You're just living your best life. And all of a sudden, it's just crinkling, shouting in your <laughs> eardrums. It's like that. the isn't, whole time, isn't for me. Um, so yeah, I think I think just the content is really what 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 kept me. I, f- I feel like you have good dialogue, but it's always consistent. And when you guys miss an episode, you're quick to point out that you know you missed an episode, and that's on you guys. Yeah, which we, we appreciate. I also that. appreciate.
2: Yeah. So I just to finish on that, we find. Culturally, and when you look at just globally, um, we are in the North American craziness of consuming American sports, right? As Canadians, you're, you see the NBA, the NFL, it's just heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, with F1, it's, it's covered globally, and we find like it's difficult at times to consume content on the Euro side, just because sometimes it's the way that individuals speak, or it's you know, the different mannerisms, the different way, the different way to speak. It's just a completely different yeah. way of speaking, right? So that's why I found it interesting because we don't sound anything like the Euro circuit.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look, I should also say I lived in the States. I'm, I'm half America. I lived in America for quite a, a, a bit of my life, but um, I think, yeah, I, I just always come back to this notion of like heroes and bad guys and like, don't get me wrong. I think the other thing that that drive to survive does a really bad job of that. Like, really has created a subgenre of people on Twitter who continually call uh, uh, Horner Karen Horner. Is <laughs> that they they amped up this Toto Christian rivalry to like the umpteenth degree? And you see them. And I, I don't. I don't know them, right? I don't know anything. But from casually looking on and and listening them talk about each other in the media this past year. There is nothing that suggests they are like at each other's throats. They can't stand each other. Christian is an entertainer. You want to talk about entertainment? This guy's an entertainer and he's going to say things that he knows will get hit. Um, I don't know if you guys have access to this in in the States, but Sky Sports did a documentary on the 2021 season. And it's a really interesting thing. If if you get to watch it, highly recommend it because it really is a no holds you know, conversation between all the relevant parties. And at some point, Tozo's like, no, like respect to Red Bull. Like, I'm, I'm not bothered about Red Bull. Like the issue is massive. Like, like, so you, whereas if this, I if I were watching Netflix, it would have been completely like jacked, edited, like made it sound like I hate this guy, he should die. And that's just not the vibe. And, you know, there's, not a ton of teams in Formula 1. You can't really… You know what I mean? How, how are you going to slag off? Anyway, I, I don't want to dive down that rabbit hole just yet. I will but, say this. Like, yeah,
0: I, we've been consistent with… Max earned that championship. It's not just one race, right? Like, he was the better driver for majority of the year. Like, no one's hating on Red Bull. Christian Horner says some outrageous things. You guys know how we feel about Christian Horner on this podcast. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it was Michael Massey. So, like, it… it, it Shout out to Max and yeah. Red for getting the job done.
1: So, But it, it just burns.
0: It just really burns.
1: Yeah, even as a Hamilton fan, I think what's interesting in the older people, right? Like, I work with people who are older who also like F1, and what people just couldn't get past was the complete disregard of the rule book, right? Like, I work in law. Like, rules are written for a reason. And the way the FIA rules are written... There's just way too much gray area, and it's everything like there's always a sub clause that's like open to the race director's interpretation, which is basically a get out of jail free, which is how they did what they did, but still, um I think if you look at look at it from race performance max before they started crashing, you know what I mean before crash uh marathon began like it was like genuinely he was he was racing, but like I think, and the difference between max last year and this year. Is that you could feel almost that, like the palpability of him feeling like it was slipping away. And so he had to do something right. As opposed to this season, there's been a couple of t- times where, you know, for instance, the Russell sort of battle, I could see a previously overly frustrated Max just like going for something, missing, taking them both out of the race. It's not doing that this season, which is great. But I do think the blame needs to be placed at the FIA's feet. And the reason, is clear is this past weekend at Monaco where we saw all types of infractions happening Yeah. and the rules were just, where were the rules? It was suddenly, well, you can drive on the line, but you can't drive over it. This is not a thing. But again, it's sort of like in this instance, how do you phrase something like, no, the rule doesn't change for any instant? It's this is the rule. This is how it's applied. Those are the so-
2: technicalities that I think are crazy because that whole thing with Max and Rebel on the line, If the rule says you can't cross line, then you can't be on the line. It's just that simple. No different than when Sebastian Vettel lost his podium because of a fuel technicality. It's just... Uh,
1: Talk about Lando. Like, and that onboard shot was debatable as to whether all four of his tires were actually over the line. So... We we literally are screwing some drivers over and, and not others. It's picking and-,
2: and choosing case by case, which well, I think damages the integrity of the sport. Yeah, it's not, and precisely. also… It, it's a circus.
0: It's entertainment. It is. But before last right year, now. I just
2: wanted to say, like, the comeback that Lewis had and the way that he drove to be screwed over at the end, as much as I try not to talk about it, it was, like, damaging.
1: Totally. It was devastating. I remember… I remember you're going remember where you are for
0: the next 20 years when that happened. you remember exactly devastated, what you're
1: doing. Devastated. Shouting at the top of my lungs. I was doing a toto. I was throwing head. No, Michael, this is not right. Like, that was 100% <laughs> no, my Mike, vibe. No, my <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, in my living room, like, this is a joke. Like, surely this is going to get fixed. But, you know, anyone in sports will tell you, no one wants... Lewis doesn't want to win the championship in the courtroom where they take it away from Max. And You know what I mean? No one wants to win... Uh, uh, a championship certainly not your eighth like that but in in the same regard it's it's just it should have never come to that and again liberty media i don't want to blame drives to survive the producers of the show came out and said they didn't do it for us it's like but like subconsciously did they because like every there's been several races that finish under the safety car like there's been several races where the safety car has never been brought in early so why in the last season of one of the most important races in F1 history, in history. at a time when when the the audience growth is booming are you going to turn the turn the tables on how you want to run things but you know what all we can say is we're in a new era new new machinery terrible machinery um but like we we're turning a corner hopefully you know there's been some shakeups at the FIA we'll see what they continue to do uh, but I was laughing out loud at the suggestion on uh, at Twitter. Someone was saying, See, shouldn't have gotten rid of Massey. Oh, <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, that's a whole like different they. conversation. So let's get into the meat yeah. and juice of our episode. Let's get into it. So, Oliver, you always had some problems. Well, not problems, but you definitely have some criticism for us. So my thing is, I'm a big Lewis fan as well. So let, let's make, let's put that on air. Put it on wax. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big Lewis fan. So my thing where I'm coming from is, Lewis is… When Lewis is on, he, he, him and George Russell aren't in the same class. Correct. And, and typically, Lewis turns it on at certain points. Like, you've seen him enter different levels when the championship starts getting thin, right? Nico Rosberg
2: has spoken to this.
0: Yeah, like, when, when, when in For 2018, sure. Vettel, he turned it up after around Singapore, right? Last year, he turned it up at the end. So my thing is, A, Lewis should be able to beat George. And that's just my expectation of the seven-time world champion… The best driver on the grid still, in my opinion, when he's locked in. And my second thing on that point is… I know you did come out and say… Wow, the Georgian versus Lewis. It's not really George versus Lewis. It's… Lewis is, is… When, this, when does the, the dynamic change? Because Lewis is not used to losing to his teammate. Right. So this, this is my
1: bigger issue. And I, I think I'm taking it with the media at large. And you guys are just being, being lumped into it. Because um, Jos Verstappen, literally this week came out and criticized Red Bull for saying my son isn't driving a good car and that's why he's losing. Now on Sky, every single race day, they're like, oh, well, you know, he's in a car. He's in the same car as George. Why isn't he making it happen? Uh, I think we've all said, A, George, don't disrespect this man. Highly talented driver. There's a reason he's in the second uh, Mercedes seat and it's going to be the future of that team. Mm -hmm. No question. Um, The issue is, We've got someone who's very used to a, uh, a a fine-tuned car. You know what I mean? Like the Mercedes has typically been built around Lewis, let's be real, and it's worked for him, right? It's it, he, he isn't a hugely technical guy. I think he feels the car. He works with the car. And you can see there's been moments where he's been in that car as they've been improving it, and he's completely backing himself. I do think if we would have started the fucking race under the rain, he was on intermediates. It could have been a completely different story if he was released from the pits, not behind Ocon and not getting stuck behind Alonso. I think we have a completely different story. But the thing I want to get away from is getting into this coulda, shoulda, woulda mentality. Because I do think there's a lot of that happening. Like, oh, well, if, if, if Lewis could only, if Lewis could only. Lewis is still one of the most, if not the most, sound drivers on the grid. No question. But at what point do you have to be realistic about someone who's coming down from a very highly functioning car that he was completely comfortable in into this new beast that he's just all over the place in? And that's not to say it's not there in the race, right? Like I think Mercedes have to figure out this setup in qualifying, right? How many times do we see them go into practice session number two? suddenly they're one, two, two, three, like they're up there, right? Like they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily blowing the Ferraris and Red Bulls out of the water, but they're definitely not getting passed by Alpine or Haas. Like that is like crazy. Like um, I think not to dwell too much on it because I do think there's a bit of a double standard or like you're, you're, you're saying like, Lewis, you're this great driver. We've seen you do amazing drives this entire time. But what about those like McLaren days, right? Like where it was sort of like, oh, okay, he he is fallible. Like, it, it, it's not... I guess I don't want to... What I was getting upset about was all these people putting him on this pedestal, like, you're the greatest. You're supposed to be the greatest. Why aren't you winning? Why is George out-qualifying you? Now, I'm not in the Mercedes garage. I don't know what's being said. All I can read is what Toto say, what the engineers say, and what Lewis says to press. And what I have gathered based on all of those things is Lewis is 100% dedicated to putting in the work, putting in the time, running the sensors on his car, running the alternative strategies. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was you guys who were saying this, but like, yeah, let George just enjoy his first year in that seat. Like, you know, there's no animosity there. The most important thing is you have a, a, a cohesive, you know, you have like, um, like a flow in the gap. There's no tension. You know what I mean? How many times do you have a young driver come into the paddock and suddenly the energy is off, right? Like Nico uh, Hamilton. Like, it, it was great until it wasn't. And I think what everyone just wants is for George to have a great first season. I personally, if George finishes ahead of Hamilton in the points, I don't consider that a stain on his season. I consider that him being a good teammate because if Lewis was being... bad teammate he would just be crashing or he would just be he would just be making things difficult like there's a lot of ways that he can make things uncomfortable for george and he's not doing that and i think that shows maturity on his side but also i think i i can't i can't speak for for lewis and i can't say whether or not he's frustrated that he's losing all i can say is looking at him earnestly in, in in his press interviews is that He's pleased each week that the car is developing and that he's getting more confident and things like that. But you can tell it's not where it needs to be, and he's never going to slag off Mercedes. Like that's just not the vibe. But I do think we are seven. We're going into the seventh round or eighth. 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 Monaco is going. Yeah. So we're going into the eighth race of twenty-two races. We all know how things can shift in F one and. You know, something I was going to pull you guys up on was that Ferrari point that you were making last year or last week, which is to say, like, well, are you disapp- Will you be disappointed if Ferrari doesn't win the championship? And I'm like, 100. percent These guys rip- wrote off last season to focus on development, clearly nailed it, and are completely screwing themselves with strategy. Like, you can't. And Carlos signs, but like, he's he's <laughs> turning a corner, guys. He's he's turning a corner. Uh, I think he, you know, whatever. He's a whole different story. But um, I will personally be disappointed if Ferrari fuck this. And the thing that's interesting about there being this sort of three-way race is that if Mercedes' car gets up, they may not win the championship, but they may determine who does. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. does that you. make yeah. sense?
2: Yeah. Yes. For let sure. me let me know if I can jump in on this. Like, please listening to your point between George and Lewis, my. Personal issue with that is, as a Lewis Hamilton fan, there's on, only so much time left on the clock. George is a young I'm driver. Come back on this. George is a young driver. He's going to be there for a long time. I want Lewis to get his eight. He should have. He should have nine.
1: Yeah.
2: So potentially ten. He <laughs> sure <laughs> potentially ten. Should have could should have would not Okay, we're not going to do that. But it's not my be, whole point He's is, should we not be prioritizing Lewis just because of the window of opportunity?
1: I don't think so. You know what? I did. I looked this up because you guys were talking about this, this, this wanker. I can't stand this guy. Fernando Alonso, right? He came into F1 in 2001. What year is it? What year is it today?
2: 21 years.
1: 2022. 21 years. I
2: mean, he, he spent uh, he two won, years out,
1: right? He won sure yeah. so strike 2 years out fine 14 years uh he won back to back championships in what 2005 2006 right um his last win i think was 2013 so this is a two time world champion who is still in the sport 14 years later how many years after he last won a championship and he's still like I'm fighting I'm fighting for the next one so look i, I think lewis has way too much other stuff going on in his personal life to want to just Hang around chasing number eight. I do think he will get number eight, and I don't think Mercedes should spend time prioritizing Hamilton because, in a way, they are—they are working with him. He is working with them to fine-tune that car. If they nail that car for the second half of the season, going into next season, we're having a different conversation. Like Mercedes will have proved that their no pod side pod concept is is the one and. While other teams, we should talk about the uh, cost cap at some point, but like as other teams, like Mercedes is going to Mercedes. Like these guys have been in motorsport for ages. Like I don't see a world where the Haas, even in the new realm, I, basically what I'm trying to say is this year is an anomaly because everyone's figuring it out. You're right. Everyone's mo- moving forward. And next year, I don't have a doubt in my mind that Hamilton isn't at the front of the grid. And I think the interesting thing from the media standpoint is that they were all annoyed. Oh, my God, Hamilton, so dominant, Hamilton, so dominant, so dominant. And now he's not dominant. It's like, well, why is he not dominant? Do you get what I mean? Like, it's just this sort of like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So I kind of respect Hamilton in a way for and I respect George a lot because where this could have gotten really twisted is if. Every time George did an interview, he's like, yeah, I mean, it's great to be blowing Lewis Hamilton out of the water. Like, can you imagine? Like, who would have thought in my first season of Mercedes, I'd be crushing it. But like the great thing is, I think George gets his confidence. Right. And it's interesting when he does struggle and to hear those radio uh, chit chats. um, It's interesting because you realize he's figuring it out as well. But I think he has less to lose. So he's just going for it. Does that make sense as well, where he has less to risk? He is new. He does have a future with the team. He isn't on the bubble. He doesn't have to worry about his job security. What he does have to worry about is proving to people why he deserves to be there. So I get his motivation for going out every week. But I do think there's um, the engineering piece, which a lot of people aren't talking about. But, you know, I think inside the Mercedes garage and an interview Ross Braun gave recently kind of put this into focus for me, which is like everyone's focused on the short term. People aren't seeing the long-term Mercedes strategy. And I think in the next two races, I'll wait until after Baku because I am love the circuit, nice and open, lots of room to overtake, some technical pieces. But ultimately, I think this should favor Mercedes car. And we'll see what they learn having come out of Monaco, all the data that they gathered um, and building off of um barcelona to see where the car is at because honestly if the if they don't if lewis doesn't podium uh next weekend i agree like he uh, even if he a lot of people saying he's not out of the championship i think he will 100 percent be if he doesn't podium at uh baku yeah so Whether that happens or not don't know
0: yeah so th- there's a couple things right so i think you got you got very valid points i i don't want to push a narrative of Lewis has to win a race or be on the podium because I don't think their car is the best car. Like, that—that's that, you have to put expectations. I think a lot of people that look at F1, they just look at peer results. But you have to look at strategy. You have to look at a bunch of different things that add up to your result. But going back to kind of my, my original point is, I just expect Lewis to be beating George. And I understand sometimes he's going to have some heavier stuff on his car because they're testing. And that is part of it. But at the, at the end of the year, at the head-to-head, I expect Lewis Hamilton… To be ahead of George Russell because he's a better rus- uh, racer. Now, if Mercedes comes out and says we did put heavier equipment on Lewis's car to test, then all is for all, in my opinion, that's all forgiven. Like I, 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 don't care then, right? But I am sticking with my stance that George Russell should not be beating Lewis Hamilton. Like that, that that's that's what it comes down to. If um, his car doesn't have extra equipment to test. Now, on the flip side, setups drivers get to determine their setups with their engineers, right? Like they they have the same equipment to work with, they don't have the exact same car. That that that's a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go so my whole point is just like I expect Lewis to be George on most days because Lewis is just the better driver. I'm giving Lewis his flowers. That's just kind of my point. I understand strategy has been the reason why Lewis has kind of missed some races because you know Pit Lane got blocked off, all these different things. But yeah, that's just the, been
1: circumstances.
0: Yeah, and that's part of racing, right? Like like no different than George's uh, first stint in Secure 2020. He would have won that race if it wasn't for circumstances, right? But I think at the end of the year, if Lewis does not have more head-to-head wins, regardless of points, I'm going to be a little disappointed. It doesn't stain sure. anything for me, but that, that's kind of where I've been this whole year. It's just like, you're still the, be- you're still the greatest driver to walk this planet, arguably other than Sh- Michael Schumacher. So I don't expect your new teammate to be able to beat you, even though he's really talented. Like, I just expect yeah, you to yeah. be able to beat anybody in the same equipment. I think it's
1: that thing of like, how much do we project onto our sports uh, stars and our idols and our heroes? Because we think and I can't speak for you, but like I can build someone up into my head like they're infallible. Then they get COVID and die. Right. Like, whoa, they can die. Like, that's crazy. It's Mm -hmm. like, Lewis, you were untouchable. You can lose like and you're not even losing like, you know, yes, getting out qualified terrible but i think what we see consistently is george crushing in qualifying right he's always been mr saturday and that's continued to a degree i think that's great but in the race if you look at the segment times and the pure pace of the car lewis is 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 ahead of george either one or either he's there one and two or one and three there's no question about the race pace and if we're saying like you're the best driver he is racing better than George, technically.
0: Yes, you're uh, right there. You are right there. Lewis's tech typically looked better on race day. You are right. But circumstances right? and where your car is on, on the grid yeah, to start. On
1: yeah, it, Yeah, or qualifying. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what is, to me, this um, Mercedes car is very finicky. Like, it's, it's, the setup is, like, I feel so, it's so delicate that if it's a little bit off and... The only example I have of that is um Miami, where I think it was the Friday, they were both just or was it yes, Miami, the they were both killing. They were both killing it. And then in the third practice, you were like, wait, what just happened? And they had tweaked one thing and suddenly it was all you know gone sideways. But like if I genuinely believe a uh Hamilton was, finished with more wins than Russell, more points than Russell, because at some point, as we have all just said, he turns it on. I think that we committed in that car, and what was interesting about... Uh, are you guys there? Yeah, so, we're here. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Can okay, hear you. cool. Said I was unstable. Um, you were for a little bit, but we're, we're good. Um, the, the, the thing about even Monaco watching him, in the first two practice sessions, you could see how much space... Lewis was leaving on the edge just on the fear of crashing. And then we saw Ricardo and um, who was the other guy that that crashed in that spot? I guess it was Mick during the race, but like um, in quality, you, that was gone. Like he was getting right up to that edge. And I was like, okay, here we go. And he just, to me, there was just something in him that went, I'm just going to go for it. And he also got caught out by that whole shenanigans at the end. So I, I don't think, the 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 races that we've got, and I get it, right? Circumstances happen in racing, and that's what makes it really fun, and why we were all really disappointed with how they handled the start of Monaco. Because if we start that race as people started on tires, there were people on intermediates, there were people on fuck, you know, slicks, there were mm-hmm. people on wets. Like it would have been a really interesting start to the race, and everything would have turned around, in my opinion. So you've got Lewis in eighth. Um, you, Max for like it to me. It's just a, we're having a different conversation today. But irrespective of that, we need to give it time. I think what's the halfway season? Uh, 11, 11 races yeah. in. If if Lewis has not won a race, managed another podium above third, like we can say, like they have just considered this a wash and are just one hundred percent prioritizing development of the car, a la Ferrari as Ferrari did last year before they started you know, crapping the bed. Now, I don't even know what they're doing, but I think we still have a three-team race. I'm interested to hear you guys' take on how the development of the cars and these boxier cars, heavier cars, how this has really made anything more fair, um, because obviously everyone's getting very concerned about the cost cap, but Haas has to be concerned about the cost cap as well, because they spend millions of... (laughs) <laughs> millions of uh, dollars a weekend trying to repair things. Never mind make things better. Um, so just keen to hear you guys' take on that because obviously there's a ton of stuff that's exempt from the the cost cap, right? Like salaries, human resources, some development bits. But um, I, I'm just yeah, I guess I'm keen to hear what you guys think about it
0: in terms of just the cost cap, or or in general, with if it's fair.
1: Uh, no, the cost cap and the, the 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 change in vehicle. Like, has the have these changes truly made a difference? No, because that was the huge no. impetus.
0: I mean, listen. At the end of the day, the money goes to the top teams, right? So, there's three top teams in the world. There always will be. It, it will probably be Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari for the next 10, 15 years. Like, one of them will fall off eventually. You'll add in a new person, right? People will get better. But you still have a very heavy… Uh, you still have front runners. And you still have everybody else. So… Everybody else is a little bit more competitive. It's shaking it up. It's thrown Aston Martin a little lower. It's kept Williams there. Haas has floated up. Alfa Romeo floated up. But what's really changed? We still don't think 10, people could, uh, 10 different teams can win a race at the end of the weekend.
2: Yeah, no. it hasn't. I right? think it's never going to… I don't think this is a, such a money-driven sport, and I don't think that will ever change. And, and, and on top of that, it's like the money should be a factor. Because if you win, like, I, I believe, like, I was
0: okay with the way it was before because you're winning. So you should be able to spend more money. And you know what? When you think of guys like Schumacher and Alonso, they won in Benetton. They made those teams get more money by winning. So find yourself a yeah. young talent. Like Williams, when they had George, should have been able to find more money.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, I think Williams is a bad example because that's a shambles of a like organization. Yeah. RIP. You know, but it just never was the same. Right? Well you got like well, my, no. my point is you gotta find a young driver that can get you there, right? Speaking of which, this brings me on to Danny Ricardo. You guys were saying last week, what were you saying? Some some silly talk about they they can't replace Ricardo with a young driver. Isn't that, that was, right? That was all that was my take saying?
0: was who's gonna be better than him points wise? Because at the end of the day, McLaren still wants to be competitive, right? So
1: you but like, him with at what rookie. point go ahead, go ahead. at what point does McLaren just cut its losses and appreciate like do you want to have to waste the whole season with Danny Rick struggling really low confidence, paying him a lot of do, money paying him a ton of and look, like there is a break clause right in his contract, there's a break clause in like most professional athletes contracts, and yeah, it may mean they have to pay him salary, but good news salaries are exempt from the cost cap, so that's not really a struggle. But as a team, if you do want to compete next season, why would you waste time waiting to bring a rookie in next season, who will then have to get acclimated to the car and all of that, as opposed to bringing a, a driver in ASAP and just letting Danny Rick go his way? And look, I, I love Danny; he's a great as I know him, right? Like we're baits. Um, No, like Danny's a good; he's great ambassador for the sport. I think he's a really easily likable guy. But Danny brought this on himself. Like, what? What in? God's green earth made Danny Rick go to Renault. What was that maneuver? Wasn't like, it like people 40 don't million, talk about it.
0: Wasn't it like $25 million a year? It was a lot of money, wasn't it?
1: But again, are you prioritizing money? or Are you making decisions for your career? Because if it was a career move, Terrible. like he, he didn't get involved in the development of the car. He didn't give a crap about developing the car. He just wanted the money. But as we know in F1, it's not all about your salary like what's the what's the dynamic like in in that team like are they are you going to be set up for success and he's done it again and arguably he should have just stayed at red bull and then gone to mclaren like he shouldn't have done this like you know daddy's hey, he like that he tried to guy take, take short term money
2: gains but now he's yeah, yeah, going to lose but, out in the long run it's funny you are talking exactly. about ricardo
0: because i want to ask you how you felt about ricardo because you've heard our takes like I don't think he really wants to win. Like, I think he loves the sport. I think he I likes think the he, fame. He, he, he loves that the lifestyle guy, that comes with being an F1 driver, right? I, that's what it really comes down to, I think.
1: He, he is a, a real champ, but I think he has lost his way. And I think at some point, you have to, to to take a look at yourself and go, what is this, right? If we're talking about Hamilton, and Hamilton's won championship, Ricardo has never won a championship. He's won s- like, eight races. Eight races in his career, and right. he's been around. But what? his
0: persona is like he's won one, though. Like that's a, his.
1: He's largely life in
0: the F1 world, which is
1: crazy. That's what I mean. My dog just rocked up. Um, that's what I mean. Like um, it, it, it would be different. Like this is where pride and ego, and why this whole Checo Max thing is going to get very interesting. Oh, I can't in the wait. Next I'm so few happy. Races, it is going to get very interesting. Is because Checo, yeah. He joined Red Bull knowing he's the number two driver, but he also joined knowing his capabilities and his talents and knowing that the team isn't going to be for him, right? The team is never going to see him as number one. He has to prove himself and make himself a presence. How does he do that? Out-qualify Max. How does he do that? Run the race. Like, just, just on pure race ability. Like, how many times was he going around in free practice sessions and in qualifying and just Beasting Max, like literally, Max was fourth. Was like it, it was even let But
2: also, let's, let's also he paid his dues last year by being the ultimate teammate. Max doesn't win that he championship was. without Checo.
0: Yeah, I think the thing too is just like Red Bull doesn't operate the right way, and you know, I, Toto's comments was that um, That's an understatement. Toto had comments yesterday. I think I saw is that until someone's mathematically out of the championship, they're letting people them just race it out, right? And Red Bull should take the same philosophy. Cecho can win a championship yeah. this year. He's in contention. So if they're going mean, to pull nonsense off, it's just like, I don't, that's, it's just it's Here's
2: a question to you though, Ali. How do you think Max feels when he sees his dad's comments like that? Because that causes friction between oh your teammates.
1: God, this is just like, listen, I've done research on Jos Verstappen. This guy was a wife beater, a really abusive guy. And I, no surprises. you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but just looking at that dynamic and looking at someone who just wants to please his father, who is never good enough for his father who gets left at the side of the road to get home in a different country. Like this is craziness. Like what are we talking? And so for his dad to come out and be, it would be the equivalent of my getting a sort of like not doing as well and getting a promotion at work and my dad rocking up to my job and putting my, my, Team on blast, like you guys didn't do enough for Oli to get his promotion. You guys are slacking like why you and guys the fact that he used
2: his son's platform, the, his right. son's website to announce it
1: out of control and look, you know what's been interesting is when it, if we rewind to Barcelona, right mm-hmm. if if Checo wins Barcelona, he's two,
2: four three, I think it was four points
1: three. we're talking a race like from being. The leading the the world championship, having another different conversation. But even after Checo won, Christian was at pains on the the interview to kind of get around like how things were going to be moving forward. And he was like, "No, Checo's always in it, and you know, it's a we're all here and it's a team, and every, we support everyone." And it's like, "Nope." Look at Max and his dad, seething with rage, like absolutely. Not happy for the win, and and Max even said it in a Drive to Survive episode, which they probably took the footage from something else. He was like, "Yeah, when my teammate does better than me, I'm happy for them, but not really. Like I hate that I hate losing." And it it to me, Red Bull is shenanigans. Red Bull is on some. They bullshit are shenanigans, 24/7.
2: and that's why you also have to give so much credit to Lewis in Abu Dhabi going up to Yoss and Max after the race. Absolutely, like they would never have done that to Lewis.
1: Class, absolute class. Absolutely not. Like Yoss would have flipped a car. Like it's, it's just no <laughs> question. Like that isn't how they would have reacted because they are poor losers. They're not good sportsmen. And, you know, it, $1,000, it's $1,000 been reaction. all fun and games with this sort of like Charles and, and Max and we used to be hot heads, but now we're not. If they continue to be a few points away, I think Checo's is going to just completely throw a wrench into all of these plans because if you're Christian Horner and you wake up and you see <laughs> Jos Verstappen has put your entire team on notice for basically not running a strategy favorable. Uh, uh, sorry, the strategy is outqualify your teammate and then we can talk about what does or doesn't need to happen. Like, it just is so the PR team this- is
2: having they're, they're they're probably just shitting their pants right now.
1: The entitlement. And this is where I think Jenny, Jenny Gal was almost like so salivating at this like dynamic where it's like, oh my God, Checo's great. And what are they going to do? Cause Checo's not shit. And Checo just signed another deal. So that's definitely not going to make the Verstappens feel comfortable because he feels comfortable in that car. He feels confident and he drives like he's got zero fucks to give, which credit to him as number two. Why not? Like Valtry. If Valtteri would have had that Checo vibe, we'd be having a different conversation about Valtteri. 20. You know, know my fears on Valtteri. I know, let's not RIP, get into it. RIP. Uh, it's fine. Um, uh, it, I think this is what makes this sport really interesting is it is a team sport, but we tend to just focus in on two people, right? Like we focus in on the drivers because they're the, the, the people we see the most. They're the ones who actually drive the vehicle. But, you know, all of the people back at the factories, all of the people who are trying to, uh, improve the car and and really propel these these the these drivers to, to win they're in in this too and I, i'm not even worried about christian but what if you work in red bull right you're a mechanic you're you're someone in the machinery and you wake up and you read that from uh, this guy who hangs around how fucking detrimental I, I,
0: I got you guys Did, do you expect anything less
1: no, so th- but like they're that's good, the problem. but that's they, company
2: culture. That, that's how what I'm you, saying. I would so, not want to work for that company. So, so they're just gonna exactly. wake
1: up and be like, okay, whatever. Like it's like it's typical well, Red Bull stuff, right? Well, to me, that if I'm Checo Perez and I'm waking up to that bullshit, I'm using it as motivation to go right. That's how they feel. Got it. I'm gonna put my uh, my Saturday. That just confirms
2: all of his thoughts from Barcelona. I, I just think
1: exactly.
0: I just think Checo probably shouldn't, um, probably wouldn't be the ultimate teammate anymore, but. We'll see see what happens. We'll see that'd be an interesting dynamic.
1: I guarantee you. Why, if you've just signed signed a new contract, you're currently fighting for the championship. Your team principal has told publicly that you're in the fight for the championship. Why would you then like be this? this That's why Red Bull's going to blow up this year. Well, well, absolutely. We we said this too.
0: It's like, why don't they have a constructors last year? Right? Check if check if. Checo's just competitive running his own race, and Max just beats Lewis straight up. Maybe they have the constructors last year, right? Maybe. So, so that's
1: not how they roll. That's and not how look, they roll. And look, like to me, it it's really where you can can see night and day between the Red Bull and Mercedes or even the McLarens. Like, no one's family is out here in the media. Like, you know, it's that thing of like washing your dirty laundry. My nan used to say, don't wash your laundry in the street, right? Like, don't, don't, if we've got pro- problems, that's for us to deal with in in house. We can discuss that. Um, I mean, why wouldn't he just go on to the, to the, Ted's he's always in the paddock. Slacking? He like,
2: he, he yeah. walks around like he's the principal of that team.
1: And they've allowed that. That's their culture. But I think what I, I will respect Checo so much. And I really do. I, I, I love that he won. I, I think he's like the I mean, most down to earth. Everybody loves Checo. driver. Like it was the, it was the, you know, you hate to see Albon fail, but it was the ultimate gift for him to get to move into that seat because he's clearly the right man for the job. But I think the past two weeks of conferred if I'm Checo, and the past two weeks I'm going right. I have nothing to lose by going all out and fighting for this championship. How do I put myself in the best position to do that? I have to do it right. Like he's not going to have. I was going to say Lewis, he's not going to have Max like, you know, towing him, pulling him out of the way, like that's not the one he's got to show up on Saturdays, out qualify Max to have any chance at winning this championship, because if he's ever behind him, there's no unless Max DNFs, there's no world where uh, Red Bulls go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Checo needs this win. So Max, just hold position, (laughs) hold position. Um, That's not happening. happening. That's not happening.
0: happening. (laughs) So um before we wrap up I got a couple questions for you. Which team are you actually a fan of or do you just follow Lewis?
1: Oh no 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 no. I I am a Mercedes fan first and foremost. Okay. No question. Uh obviously disliked Valtteri as much as anybody. Just really cost us a championship last year but let's <laughs> not get into that. Um I I would say I also have this propensity to root for drivers like it, you know in particular it's been interesting to see Charles this season, which is really depressing because I think his team is completely letting him down. This shouldn't be a close race right now, especially with Red Bull having three DNFs, right, in total between the two of them. It shouldn't, it should not be this close, and I think you know, bless Bonato, but this guy is an engineer first and the team principal second. They need a proper team principal. That's that, I've, that, I've been strong on in that. that place because, you know, he's very soft spoken and oh, it's very nice. And whenever he does the interview, it's the funniest thing to me because he's the opposite of Horner. He's like, well, we're just getting on with the race. And um, yeah, they're so know, nonchalant, which drives me
2: the, nuts. The best is Charles Motebush. Motebush.
1: Push <laughs> And when they came on the radio and
2: said Charles P4 and how mad he was. He's but like, then there were they were reports that Ferrari reprimanded him for his attitude.
1: Oh, well, they did because they said, uh, um, child, this is not acceptable. This is not like, yeah. uh, you know, Benazzo was I basically like, like no, look, that's emotion. And look, I, what happens? Max wins a race and he's shouting at his fucking principal, like, why is the DNF not... V-? Like, this the, guy's like, <laughs> that was hilarious. right in the car. <laughs> you got to take one like, stance
0: or the other. Like you're like, either okay with the yelling or you're not. I, I'm okay with it. I don't think he should have been reprimanded. Like,
1: in the heat of no, the moment, you're going to be angry, crazy. Like, what?
0: You're in the you race. You should have
1: won your home gr- Grand Prix. Yeah, you can. You could curse my mom at that point. Like, absolutely, you've <laughs> earned it. But I do, I do, I do, I do feel bad for the team in total. But it just drives home the point that they need a strategist on that team. The, listening to the confusion, it, it, my stomach sank because this was the conversation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Charles Pitt... You know, box, 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 and he. Oh, b- b- uh, b- no, 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 stay out, stay out, stay out. And it's like, mate, I'm, I'm here. Can you see me? I'm right here. How am I gonna stay out? You know, that moment for me, because he knew he'd lost the race in that moment. So There's stupid. No but, question. but
0: even if he stayed out, he would have been even worse because everybody's on slicks. He now he's still on intermediates or wets or whatever. I don't he's know.
1: On. I don't know. I think the if if um mm, he was on intermediates at that I don't, point. I don't,
0: and everybody's on slicks. He would have even. Been intermediates
1: would have. Well, everyone was on hearts, though. No, like it. it I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I think he
0: still loses. I, I, I really do.
1: But oh, before we go, did you guys? This is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot this week because remember the the, the pit wall was basically like saying, "Science, you've got to come in box." And he was like, "No, I'm going to stay out until I get on." Uh, you know, I'm just going to go straight. Do you guys think? They literally were like, Oh yeah, well let's just take our cue from the driver, right? This has been a kind of ongoing thing for a few teams this season where it's sort of like you guys have the information, you know where people are. Like, don't ask me if I want to come in. I don't know where I'm kind of holding. Actually, like,
0: uh, I think I think it depends on how how much how strong the information is. So let's say it's a 60-40 call where the team's like 60 to 70 percent chance you should swap onto these tires. I would say it's okay, but if it's like really definitive that they need to come in, then the team should say, you need to come in. But at the same yeah. time, the drivers are the ones that face the most criticism. So I'm okay with yeah. letting them call their shots. That's kind of my take on it. I don't know what Kurt's taking on it. And
2: I'd love to hear your take on it. I'm all with the engineers have all the data, and they understand the track. The driver is in it. You have to understand their field. But to Lewis's point in Miami, that was a, that was a team issue. The team, Lewis said, you guys know what's going on on the track. Yeah. Don't put it back in my court. And when you can make decisions at the highest level, you're going to fail.
0: But at the same time, yeah. Lewis sometimes goes back on the decisions, So it's got to be one way or the other.
1: Well, like, that was a thing last year, right? Where yeah. he, a couple of times, and also Lando did it. Like In, I think <laughs> in those heats of, of the moment, you don't want to listen, right? But ultimately, that's, a, that's a, a conversation you need to have not in the car. You literally have to go into the paddock going, right, Here's the deal. This is what we're expecting strategy-wise. Now, I do think there's a margin for that, right? Like Abu Dhabi was kind of the one as well where he lost out under the safety car. He couldn't pit. Meanwhile, everyone was fucking pitting left, right, and center. Like, if he pits, he loses position. He loses the race. lost Mm -hmm. the race anyway. But, like, you know what I mean? He loses in that moment. So if the pit wall can't sort of give the driver two scenarios where it's like, look, you can... Make it to the end of the race, the rears are going to be insane. You're going to be struggling with the car, but there's a chance you still finish in the top four. So stay. Or if you come out and you get stuck in an alpine sandwich and your your race is going to be ruined anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I personally would defer to the team. I do appreciate that the driver feels the car and will know more grip-wise. And, and I think Carlos that you know demonstrated that. But They've got all the data. The drivers have got enough going on in the car in terms of focusing, staying on track, moving, trying to win. Uh, if you're an engineer and you're looking at it, you know, like Bono, come on, man, like I need you. If we're talking about Lewis, needs to up his game. Bono needs to up his game. Like they need to like. I uh, that. I'm with us. They need to get it together.
0: The thing is, too, like, but George, you saw when he wanted to stay long on the on those uh, hards, it won, it got him on the podium. And so, I really think it's scenario based. So.
1: He's willing to gamble, though, right? We keep talking about George has nothing to lose, and he proves it week in, and week out. Like, um, he said, I'm willing to gamble, right? And if that didn't go his way, because we knew the likelihood of a safety car was high, a safety car came and he got out, right? Like, And so I respect George, I respect Carlos, because they were all in the position of all or nothing. They know that either they're going to finish fine or... That you know what I mean? That they're happy to lose the the place. Whereas Lewis, I think he would always pr- prioritize keeping position over losing position, even if it means you have to fight to get the car home. And we've seen that before, right? Where yes. the the tires are completely Sean. grained and he comes in and he's done it, right? Like, but yeah, I I don't think he's in that position in this car, and I don't think he feels comfortable making calls on the car because he doesn't know enough about the car. That's so, fair. You know, interesting, but… My my last question for you…
0: Drive. My last question for you, Ollie, is… Numbers, don't lie. Lewis has more wins. <laughs> they both have the same amount of championships. Schumacher has more dominant periods. More titles in a row. Who's your GOAT?
1: Uh, Lewis, uh, you know, it's funny you guys talking about this. I, I, I think Lewis is my GOAT because we moved into a new era of, of vehicle… We moved into a new era of driving, um, I think, in terms of just, yeah, the season's got longer, but is that really a disadvantage when you're moving all over the, like, the, the races are spread out? The, the, there's more, I feel like it's more difficult for drivers in, in this era to manage this level of sustained success much more travel involved there's a lot more engagements all of this sponsorship bullshit like people are flying to different countries to do appearances and then coming to race i think it's it's more difficult today and i think the state of the media we don't talk about it enough but like all of the external factors like f1 is suddenly like a thing people care about and that puts a level of pressure on you as well that back in the day it's like you're on the back sports page no one's pressed and you had no No social media no instagram nothing none of that none of that you're just out there racing people fucking drinking immediately after the race people don't work out like it's it's (laughs) night and day (laughs) uh the 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 the, you know i was watching mick was going around in his dad's benetton the other day right like one of the pre-race things and like, looking at the car, I was like, it's like a go-kart compared to today's cars. Oh, yeah. Like, the way the cars were built, the way... Yeah, man, it's, you got Lewis. it's night and day. That's fair. That's fair. Lewis is my go, and I do think Lewis will get a... Not this year, next year. And look, if 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 he takes anything away from Alonso, it's that you can take time away. You can... You can come back. You can pull a excuse me. You can pull a Schumacher. You can literally leave and be like, okay, here's this new team like? Imagine like Porsche, like literally fielded a team and they were like, you know who we need? We need Lewis. And Lewis like, oh yeah, I'm still waiting for number eight. Sure, right? Like because if we apply Alonso's logic, Alonso is in an Alpine talking about championship. When? Where? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a competitive car. It's not a championship winning car. Yeah, but and he still thinks championship. He's still driving. He's still thinking a championship is possible. I think he's past his prime personally. That's for me. I don't think he's not a skilled driver. I think he's got tons of drivability, but he's he drives a ton of other stuff. You know what I mean? Like go indie car race, like go off-road, like all of this stuff that you can do. I don't think you'll ever win a F1 championship. And that's what I wanted to, to say before we go. There is no way in hell that Fernando Alonso goes back to McLaren. He will not replace Danny Ricardo. I don't know if you ever watched the Alonso documentary on... Um, I think it's on Prime, one of the, the streaming things. Yeah,
0: you're right, it's Prime. He, it's, it's Amazon. His
1: mother was like, McLaren are dead to me. Like, the way they did my son, dead. Doesn't matter that Zach Brown, dead. Like, never again. Like, Alonso is like... Uh, Oh, I, I never watched it. it. Right? So no, that's great context. Oh, I appreciate you telling us. I want to watch the Sky Sports
2: thing that you said and this um Alonso so.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, that, it's man. subtitled but it's good. It's it's interesting. You get to kind of see this guy's mindset which is, you know, if you see it you'll understand the the mentalness behind what happened at Monaco with being held behind uh, Fernando. He was really twisting a knife, but uh it it dates back to the McLaren Wow. Uh, but yeah, yeah watch that it yeah, highly recommended really great show and uh good context for understanding why alonzo still thinks he can win a championship just not with McLaren.
0: <laughs> cool 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 uh kurt you got anything else listen for
2: i think uh ollie we're gonna have to have you back on again
1: oh man thanks that's it's been a great compliment
0: yeah, we, we're gonna have you back on soon. Maybe, maybe when Lewis gets his first podium, we'll have you back on. Maybe, maybe
1: hey, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll that. celebrate, and I can, I can tell you, I was right the whole time because <laughs> That's okay. hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm
0: glad if you're right. I am. I want Lewis to win his eighth championship. I'm, I'm the all for the whole
1: world. I'm all for it. the whole Lewis Hamilton Twitter. Like, oh wait, sorry. Can I just also just quickly state this? Right, I make a lot of F1 jokes online, and this is where this sort of drive to survive. Uh, mentality and all of this insanity the grid walks i think we've all talked about them being really cringeworthy They're right the irony is that martin brundle doesn't even like doing the grid walks anymore it's the least favorite part of his job he said um sky have plenty of people you got nico you got all these former world champion drivers on your commentary roster get one of them out to talk to people on the grid Get someone who knows who a person is. <laughs> Do you remember in Miami? Yeah, with Patrick uh, Mahomes, it, but it was it, Pablo. It, it was Pablo. Yeah, like, oh yeah. my God, that
2: was Thank terrible. You
0: but okay. Tell so, me you weren't dying of laughter, though. The Miami one was listen, hilarious.
1: Martin Brundle has form for just notoriously getting people wrong to the point where I think his producers are stitching him up because they're in his ear, right? They're going, oh, that, that tall bloke, that's that, you know, talk okay. to him. And it's like, wrong guy, mate. Not all black people look the same. But the problem is the, the reaction to people not reacting to him is actually becoming quite problematic. So Martin, uh, what was it? Um, you guys saw the, Meg the Stallion, the hip-hop yeah. rapping yeah. thing? Yeah. Terrible. Not great, right? Like, can you do a rap for us? This thing, uh, the girl from Bridgerton, uh, Ashley yes. Simone. Mm-hmm. And her she, guy was like, no. This guy, but the do you know who the guy was? It's the actor from... Uh, euphoria he's like the white guy who's terrible the bad guy in that show and he literally was like coast i don't want to participate and people were like oh that's fine but martin stood there going well we're halfway there and she sort of said oh no hi thanks don't want to do interview um the grid walk if you want to clean up the grid walk talk to the sponsors uh she was there as an invited guest of tag heuer and red bull racing if you don't want, uh, like, uh, Pharrell or the Venus Williams, e. of the world, you don't want, you know, they uh, they don't want us to be on the grid walk. You know, what I mean, like, if you don't <laughs> want these people on the grid, then talk to the teams and have them removed because the 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 thing, just keep forgetting the the thing about that access is it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you don't if you if you only want like former F1 drivers or team principals just have that, right? The the thing that was really ironic about um, Miami, especially when Martin was talking to Pharrell because it was literally the one black guy. He was like, I know who this is. I can confirm this is Pharrell. Pharrell, Pharrell spent the interview going, I'm I'm here with my mate, Richard Mille. I'm here with my mate, yeah, Richard Mille. The sponsor. And Martin, Martin was like, I don't know who that is. I don't care. Right. Like go back and watch the YouTube of it. It's the funniest thing because his name is plastered on the side of multiple cars. He's the watch guy. He's the Ferrari watch guy. Martin's like, I don't care. I just want to ask, uh, uh, Pharrell how bad he feels that Lewis is losing. And Pharrell's not having that. Pharrell's not going to shit on Lewis. Like Pharrell's like, I have a McLaren. I'm supporting Ferrari. Lewis is my boy because that's the thing, right? You don't. uh, Yeah. Uh, Is, Lewis, the reason why a lot of these fans are there? I can't say yes, definitively. I do know a lot of these younger celebs are getting invited because of sponsorship deals or because they're mandated to attend. But what really uh, hit me this week is I kind of put something out there saying, like, guys, there's literally no rule that if you're on the grid and a guy runs up to you with a microphone that you have to speak to him. Do you remember Billy Eichner? Billy on the street. He would run up to people with a microphone and start shouting at them. I liken that to the F1 grid walk. If you're a complete non fan, like maybe you're just a casual fan, if that makes sense, and this is the kind of environment Liberty Media is cultivating. If you're just a, a person that finds themselves on the grid and you're just sort of like, wow, that's a car, uh, like, and some bloke runs up to you and asks you questions, and you go, oh, actually, I don't want to participate that should be enough. There's a ton of other people that you can go talk to. Like, it shouldn't be an issue. But I got skewered online and this guy was like, uh, stop making about race. And I was making a joke. I was sort of like, I wonder if it's a problem with Martin Brundle not knowing who black people are or black people not really being bothered about Martin Brundle. Like, it's got to be one or the other. And people were like, how dare you? Martin Brundle, you stop and speak to mine. I said, well, that's great. But also, like, no. Like, you don't have... If you're not there, to, if you don't want to answer a question from Martin Brundle, get off the grid. And this is the thing, right? If you've got a ton of influx of American fans or celebrities who don't watch Sky, they maybe watch ESPN, right? They don't understand what Sky Sports is because they are America. You know, there's all these different dynamics that have to be factored in now. And people like, what a stuck up C word, you know, like all of these things you're going, hang on, like, did you see the white guy who's also famous who was like checking? Like, do we forget that Beckham blanked Martin until he chased him to the front exactly. of the grid? And uh, and Beckham finally was like, oh, I'll take pity and just talk to you. But like, it, 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 there's like sort of this um, one rule for them, one rule for the others. It's like, uh, I, I told this guy, I said, look, it's it's okay. We're never going to be rich and famous enough to be on the grid. We don't have to hate people who are. Like, those people may not want to be there either, but this girl is obligated to take a picture with a watch and the team principal. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so much uh, other stuff that goes into the circus, as we call it. Um, But like completely destroying people online to me is out of bounds because there is an element that, you know, these people are people. And if I was a person not on my job, which is being a famous actor, just by proxy of being there doesn't mean you're inviting people to interview you especially when there are other racing celebrities that are true uh, fans that you know right like uh Game of Thrones uh Kit Harington he's Game of Thrones his brother works for Red Bull you know he's going to be having something to say i guess my bigger point with this whole brundle thing is what are you hoping to get out of a celebrity who is you don't understand to be a fan you throw a mic in their face and go what are your thoughts on the uh, championship you know constructors what are you expecting them to say? Like, I like the cars go fast. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, get-
0: the point is, is that it's hilarious. It's funny. It's entertainment. Like, that, that's what it comes down to. That's just what it is.
1: But don't. So, this is another difference between the F one of the previous generations and F one of now. Because when Man's been doing this for ages, right, and he's had some legendary like moments like this, but they weren't immediately tweeted and then become like a viral moment. That again attracts this like negative energy, I guess, for me. And this will be the last thing I want to say, but I want the growth of this sport to be a positive thing. What I don't want it to become is this fraction like us versus them we're purists, you're not. Like I think, like Kurt said, there's room, it's a broad boat, everyone can fit. But what we can't do is start shoving people off and saying, You don't behave how I want you to behave. Uh, if we have an issue with the way things are run we have to look to the people that control that like if if you have an access pass that tells you you need to go here and do this thing then you go and do that thing and there isn't a rule that says if you're on the grid you have to be ready to answer questions from people that's not how interviews work Mm and um i i think my my yeah i look i i don't get on social media and like wish people to die there's been things that people tweet at me and i'm like what like you know like uh st- stop feeling sorry for yourself uh Lewis's just a shit driver and now we know it it's like okay that's yeah, your opinion you're that. welcome to it but, but like send me that. you send me monkey emojis mate and that's an instant block you know what i mean like i don't have time for like legit racism because that's not what this uh this sport is about it's a big tent and the more people the better like it's, it's no great for time the sport. for that stuff ain't no, ain't no, no, no tolerance
0: no. for that that's just nonsense
1: zero it's it but,
0: we're, we're we're trying to build a community right so that's what yeah. comes down to the end of the day so it, it is just ridiculous but i mean to just kind of sound off on your last point is you do have a legitimate point is just you know david beckham knows who sky sports is yeah so he, he, he tried he, to he, blank He's seen Brundle. So eventually he's like, okay, you know what? It's Sky Sports, biggest media outlet in the UK. I think, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% because I'm not from the UK. I'll give him a little uh, light of day. But like a lot of the people you mentioned, they have no idea what Sky Sports is. So,
1: exactly. Great point. But I also think, like, what does, what do, like, Beckham has a wider connection to Miami. He's a sports owner. Like, yeah, the context he,
2: makes he, sense.
1: Totally, you got to know like, your
2: personnel. And I think with yeah, the gridwalk. Rundle's the wrong person in Miami. Maybe in yeah. Silverstone, it makes sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or well, like,
1: look, I remember the first race of the season, there was like Guy Ritchie. There were all these actors, but they were also like big, big time motorheads. They had like a McLaren kit. And so it was quite clear they had come to the race for the race. Like exactly. there's people that have come for a different reason or just to kick back. And this guy was like, uh, yeah, what's Naomi Campbell doing there?" I was like, do you know Monaco is like the one race where people just show out? It doesn't matter if you know what cars are or what Formula One is. People go to Monaco for the spectacle that is Monaco. There isn't this sort of like, well, only true fans should be here. It's like, well, who's a true fan? If you just have money, you can be here. This guy's a social media, whoever the fuck, but he's here. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, it really isn't that deep.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: I appreciate you guys. I think you tell it how it is. And it's been great chatting to you guys. Uh, It'll be weird having to listen to the episode because I know what I've said. (laughs) But I uh, hey appreciate man. you We all appreciate
0: right. you listening man Thank you so much for joining us We appreciate the time And you know uh, We'll talk to you again soon man We'll have to get you back on the show Yeah man
1: I think we've smoothed it out I think we've smoothed it out We worked it out And I think you know what it is The frustration is not being able to respond In real time <laughs> Where I'm in my kitchen And I'm going What the f- What is he talking about? Why is he saying that? <laughs> Kurt Shut the
2: fuck up No no no, no, no It's all good.
1: Um, We love it No no man. no This is great we This is great it. You guys Much respect Much love And uh, yeah See you on race day. See you on race we'll, day.
0: We'll see you on race day. Have so a good fun, one, Ollie. Talk to you.
1: Peace out, guys. Peace.